right? We got a lot of different things coming at you today, okay? And I'm just sensing a little bit of a lull right now. F that. You don't got time to say. All right? Let's go. Break it. Break it. Let it cross. Woo! Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson and Nick Springer on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Hey, what's happening? Welcome into another edition of Rock Chalk Sports Talk, our final edition of Rock Chalk Sports Talk for the year of 2023. Wait, final show behind. ever? No, just of the year. We'll be back next year. Ha ha ha. What if the world ended when the calendar flipped over to 2024? And I guess this would be the last show ever. Ever. So that'd be unfortunate. Wow. Man. I guess no in theory, any time could ever. But let's not start <laughs> negatively. Uh, we're going to be previewing the KU Wichita State uh, game on today's show. You'll be able to hear that game tomorrow along with the KU Women's game right here on KLWN. We will talk with Shreyas Lada of the Kansas City Star at 340. Break down the Chiefs game picks coming up in the 4 o'clock hour. And plenty more throughout the show, including some Bill Self and Hunter Dickinson audio. RCST is brought to you by 23rd Street Brewery. The uh, line, the opening line at least, which we'll pick later in the show. Currently sitting at uh, KU minus 13 on DraftKings. Mm. Over-unders minus 145 and a half. Game at 3 o'clock. And uh, let's get into our preview, which... uh, Helping us do our previews is CBB Analytics. Their shot charts pretty popular on Twitter. Maybe you've seen them. Uh, but if you didn't know the source, it is this website with CBB Analytics who helps us out with a lot of uh, some of the internal numbers and uh, helps us break down some of these games. So check them out with CBB Analytics. Uh, first question first, how important is this game? Oh, interesting. Uh, I think it's it's a pretty important game because it's your last game before the start of conference play. You want to feel good going into conference play. The Big 12 is looking like it's going to be another gauntlet of a conference like it is every year, like we've become accustomed to. And uh, so you definitely don't want to fall flat uh, heading into conference play. Mm -hmm. You know, this is interesting because this matchup, Wichita State fans have been clamoring for this for a long time, right? And now eventually they get it. But now Wichita State's not as good as they were, so now it's not as fun, probably. We're so. going to share the uh, Bill Self audio later in the show, and he was asked about why or like what made you reach out, those sort of things. And he said, I, I like the coach. Uh, you know, Paul Mills was uh, seems yep. to be a nice guy. He was formerly at Oral Roberts, which is, you know, where Bill Self began his head coaching career, too. Yeah. So I don't know if there's any ties from that perspective. But I, And I don't know if this is what he meant by it, but this is kind of how I took it, and I think maybe deservedly so, based on you know what ended up happening with this this former coach, uh, with Greg Marshall, um, is I almost took it as like, yeah, I like the coach now. <laughs> you know, I didn't like the coach before. I don't know if that's how he meant it, but like I don't think anybody would have a problem if that is what he meant, because, again, <laughs> we have kind of seen uh, the aftermath of the Greg Marshall stuff that, you know, probably not the nicest dude in the world. So Yeah, might have taken play angry a little too literally. Yes, it was his his mantra was just be angry. It wasn't play angry. It was be angry. Grr. Yeah. So anyway, uh, this is obviously the first meeting since that 2015 NCAA tournament. That was a frustrating game. Yeah. Um, that was. 
a game that you just were never really in in the second half. I'm, I'm trying to remember Evan Wessel, I want to say, was this dude who was averaging like five points per game, and he just like dominated the game with like hustle plays and stuff. <laughs> it was a, it was a frustrating one to say the least. But the time before that, you have to go back to 93, and KU won by like 50 points. So KU does lead the series 12 to 2. We'll see if they can add to that uh, in this one. I, I, on its own, this game doesn't have a ton of worth. It doesn't count the conference standings. Yeah. Um, it's a game that is not going to be like a huge resume win. Yeah, it's but not anytime even a you are playing game. another team from inside your own state, you know, it does matter. And it's your first game back from Christmas. It's your first opportunity to, I don't know, turn the corner on certain things and continue to do well in other things. In sure. I, I basically view this as the second half of the season. I know I know it's not actually like but the, you only get one break. It's like it, that's what I'm saying. Break. Yeah. Like yeah. like theoretically this has only been it's been a little under two months, probably like eight weeks, something like that. And there's still like 12, 13 weeks to go. So it's not quite the halfway point. But, yeah, it's it's because you just come off your break. This is the second half push of the season. Now, as far as the uh, Wichita State scouting report, they're 8-4 and four in the year. They're ranked 118th on it. Ken Palm right now. Um, you look at some of their games against better opponents, and they've yet to earn uh, one of those top-tier wins. Their two best wins are against Richmond by 12. Richmond's ranked 100th. Southern Illinois by one. Southern Illinois is ranked 103rd. They have a couple other wins against like top 150-ish teams with Lipscomb and, and Western Kentucky. Hey, man. Friends, that's a big win. Huge win. Friends, yeah, the the NAI school. Um, but they lost to Liberty by 17, which low-key Liberty cooking this year, ranked in the top 60. Mm. Uh, they lost by 10 to Missouri, which we saw Kansas beat. They lost by 10 to South Dakota State, which uh, – South Dakota State's a, a pretty good team that could end up winning their conference. And shout out Zeke Mayo, who had 25 points in that game, former Lawrence High Chesty Lion. And then uh, they lost to Kansas State by nine at the T-Mobile Center. So they've yet to get kind of a big win. Uh, when you look at things that they do well, they don't turn the ball over much offensively. Though, oddly enough, they do get the ball stolen from them a lot. They don't, they don't like, do unforced turnovers, and they don't, like, run into charges. They, they just kind of get the ball stolen. Uh, they're a good rebounding team both offensive and defensive rebounding. They are a pretty solid defensive team, uh, yeah. top 50 in effective field goal percentage defense and three-point defense, 88th in two-point defense, 46th in block rate. When you look at the things they don't do well, have not been a good shooting team, 183rd in two-point rate, 274th in three-point rate at 30.5% on low volume, and just a hair under 70% at the free throw line, which is 228th. Uh, they also don't really get to the free throw line very often. They do not force turnovers or get steals on the defensive side of the court. And when you look at the personnel for how it goes about, they're going to play a lot of two-big basketball. They've got kind of three combo guards, Harlan Beverly, Xavier Bell, Colby Rogers, who will play the majority of their one through three. All of them can score. All of them can handle. All of them can pass a bit. Um, and then they'll mostly play the two bigs with Kenny Poto, who's 6'10", 243, Quincy Ballard, 6'11", 251. At times, they'll switch to playing small, where they'll move Poto to the five, and then it'll be like a 6'6", 6'8", wing, who's uh, kind of playing the four for them. Yeah, to your point on the defense, they've only given up more than 75 points in four of their games, but they're one in three <laughs> in those games. So if you score points, you're probably going to win. And they do uh, play at a bit of a faster tempo. Yeah, so if you score points, you're probably going to win. Uh, they don't necessarily... I wouldn't say they have like a clutch score at this point on their roster, right? They have some guys that contribute. They have some guys that can score, but I don't really get the sense that they have somebody that can go out and get you a bucket in, in critical moments. Uh, whereas when you look at Kansas, you've got Kevin McCullough, you've got Hunter Dickinson. You know, even a guy like DeWan Harris can go out and, and make something happen. Uh, so KU's, KU's got those guys. 
And, and yeah, this is an interesting matchup. Wichita State, I'm sure, is going to be very amped up for this game because from their perspective, like even though they've been kind of clamoring for these matchups with the with Kansas State, with Kansas, things like that, and they and they played like Oklahoma, Oklahoma State previously. Uh, you know, this is this is one of the few opportunities for them to go up against uh, a really quality opponent and kind of try to test their metal, basically. So I'm sure they're going to be fired up for it, regardless. Uh, but from the Kansas side, Hunter Dickinson talked about kind of the frustration he's had, which I thought was kind of funny because he he said he was frustrated and wasn't playing great last you know couple weeks, and he was still averaging over a double double, <laughs> and that's bad. Yeah. Uh, so that just goes to show his his capabilities. So I'll be curious to see what his what how he plays in this game. And once again, you look at KJ Adams and how he's been used defensively by Kansas. In the Yale game, they were able to exploit that matchup with Hunter Dickinson. They make the switch to KJ Adams, and it was completely nullified on the five. You look at the Indiana game, same thing. I think it's now pretty clear that if the opposing if the opposing team has a difficult to guard five man. KJ Adams will be taking on that responsibility. Now, in the case of Wichita State, they have two big guys, yeah. but neither one of them shoot threes, which means that, and they're not. Well, super Polo mobile. tries. He is seven of twenty-nine, so it'll take a couple of games. But yeah, but they're not super mobile, so yeah. I, I, I would assume that that matchup is going to stay the same in this game. Like I would assume it'll be Pollard versus versus Dickinson, and KJ will take the their four man. So I don't think there's going to be really any defensive changes from that standpoint for Kansas. But that is. A situation I'm going to continue to monitor throughout the season. Like what it's I think it's now become pretty clear. K is a blueprint where if they run into a team that has a more mobile five man or has a guy that can cause some matchup problems, they are going to make that switch with KJ Adams because it mm-hmm. seems that he's the better post or the better quicker post defender and can 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 still guard it at the, at the outside too. Yeah, I, I don't know uh, stylistically if this matchup is good or bad for KU from the standpoint because you're right, they don't have that, which that is a good thing. But with them having two traditional bigs, we've seen a lot of teams lately sag off of KJ Adams and basically condense the paint. Is that a bad thing for KU? Because their version of sagging off and condensing the paint means they have 6'10 and 6'11 at a combined like 500 pounds in there where that would really clog up the paint. That could be problematic. Then again, having more of a traditional big man matchup for this team probably is an okay matchup for them. Yeah, I guess it comes down to if if... On the defensive side, if Wichita State feels comfortable mm-hmm. with Hunter Dickinson going one-on-one with Pollard, right? I definitely think this is a big game for K.J. Adams' short rolls and shooting his little mid-range shot because I think that's going to be there in this game a ton. Yeah. Uh, what does scare you most that Wichita State does well? Yeah, I mean, besides their defense kind of talked about, like their defense has been pretty good. You mentioned their effective field goal percentage. They're they're pretty good uh, at stopping three-point shooting and, and, and two-point shooting, which obviously two-point shooting is a big strength of Kansas, so... I don't know. Maybe if Kansas, come, if if Missouri does decide to just pack the paint and Kansas can't hit a three, maybe that is a little bit concerning. Uh, the other, but the other on the flip side, Wichita State is not a team that shoots a lot of threes either. So it, it doesn't. This doesn't feel like a game where if KU can't hit a three, Wichita State's going to be able to hit a bunch to kind of exploit that, uh, which I guess is good for Kansas. So I guess it'll maybe will come down to that defense. I, I don't know because like this this. When you look at it, it seems like this would be a game if you're Wichita State where you want to try to ugly it up and just muck up the game and and try to win it that way. But at the same time, I feel like I feel like Kansas maybe wants to play that way too a little bit mm-hmm. at times, right? And Bill Self likes playing that way. So 
I, I don't know. I mean, that's kind of their biggest strength. That's kind of I feel like the way they need to play, right? Because if they, I think if they try to get out and run, KU's got way better athletes. And and if they do try to do that, you're just asking for trouble with KJ Adams because he's going to be able to do a lot more mobility wise than their other four man. So I don't know. It's kind of weird because I think the strength that Wichita State would want to lean into kind of simultaneously would play into maybe a way that Kansas wants to play also. I think for me, it's it's a couple things. One, um, I, I guess there's always the worry that a guy like Colby Rogers goes off. He's their team leader, averaging about 17 points per game, and he's shooting over 40% from three. He's taken over 80 attempts in their 12 games. So, I mean, he's taken you know, almost seven threes per game. He can really get hot in a hurry. That always scares you when you're playing a player like that who can uh, kind of fill it up on the outside. Uh, the other part of this, Wichita State hasn't been ultra-efficient shooting in the paint. They're only shooting 53.8% at the rim this year. Um, they're only shooting 34% on non-at-the-rim-but-in-the-paint shots. But they spam going inside anyway. Um, and right now they're in the 92nd percentile in the country in the amount of points that they get per game that come in the paint. Now for Kansas, they've done a good job avoiding teams from shooting a lot in the paint. They've done a good job of preventing teams from getting shots at the rim. But when they do, teams are shooting 62% at the rim against Kansas. So is Wichita State able to exploit that? And the last thing is the rebounding battle. Uh, KU's been a good defensive rebounding team, hasn't been a good offensive rebounding team, but we have seen times the defensive rebounding has kind of waned. And over the last five games, Wichita State is getting about 20% of their points per game. These numbers from CBB Analytics um, on second chance points, that is 96th percentile in the country. So uh, can you avoid that kind of interior takeover? Where do you think Kansas has the biggest edge? Uh, I think it's probably at the wing position. You look at Kevin McCuller, uh and what he can do. Yeah, for what it's worth, Xavier Bell and Colby Rogers, who are their two and three men, are the worst two defenders individually on the team per Evan Miakow's website. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's definitely where they have the biggest advantage. I mean, I think this is another game where Kevin McCuller can, can continue to build on sort of now what is becoming uh, an infantile stages of a possible National Player of the Year candidacy. Uh, with the way he's playing. So I really, really like that matchup with Kevin. Uh, and he's been really hot. And I guess maybe uh, would you be concerned at all with the fact that you have this break, that that maybe detracts from him what he was doing early in the season? It's possible. But I see, I think this break is actually a really good thing for Kansas because oh, you I are think a so thinner too. team. Yeah. Get your legs rested. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah, I think, and Hunter Dickinson and even Bill Self touched on that about the fact that when you're playing a shorter lineup like this and you do get that break and you're able to get your legs back under you because, again, after this game, when you hit conference play and you're going to be playing two games a week in conference, it's it's going to be it's going to be a grind. It's going to be a grind for sure. I would say that um, I agree with the, the players on the wing having an advantage there. I think the fast break, which you kind of talked about, getting out and running if you can. KU over the last five games averaging 14 Fast break points per game, 14.2 to be uh, exact. Wichita State for the season is at 7.5. So you're basically doubling them up in terms of your fast break points per game. Um, that should be an advantage for KU in this game. Uh, also, I, I 
I still don't know that the KU is a great three-point shooting team. The percentage is really good because they've had a couple, especially early in the season, great games. Wichita State's three-point shooting has only been 30.5%. I know Bill Self talked about this, and, and we'll get to that audio later in the show, that he thinks KU is shooting above what they are, and he thinks Wichita State is shooting below what they are. So maybe this is closer than you'd think, but on paper, KU actually should have the uh, three-point shooting advantage in this one. Yeah, and one other thing is the Wichita State, they are – pretty similar to Kansas in that they don't really go to their bench. Their bench does not play a lot. Yeah. Uh, and so this could be a game where fouls could end up being a huge factor. If one team or one sp- some specific players get into foul trouble, that could really impact the game. Because So Kansas is in the bottom 10 in the country in, in uh, how much bench minutes play. Wichita State is only about 10 spots ahead of Kansas. So they, they're in the 340s in, in bench minutes played as well. So they don't necessarily go to their bench as much either. Uh, so foul trouble could be something to keep an eye on. Also keep in mind, Wichita State is 283rd in the country in free throw, like getting to the free throw line. KU is 17th in the country in avoiding teams getting to the free throw line. So maybe this is a game where KU does have like a free throw discrepancy, um, which would certainly make Wichita State fans mad. Nonetheless, uh, is there a player matchup that is most interesting to you? Yeah, I mean, I think besides the Hunter Dickens and KJ Adams combo against uh, Pollard and and. Uh, what's Poco? Poco is that you say? Yeah. By the way, it is. Uh, it's Ballard. Oh, Ballard. Ballard. Sorry, I keep yeah, saying Poto and Ballard. Sorry, Ballard, Ballard and Poco, uh, Poto, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah, those two guys against KJ Adams and Hunter Dickinson is, I think, probably what I'll be keeping my eye on, just because I'm curious to see what KU does matchup wise and what even Wichita State does matchup wise. So I'll be keeping an eye on that. And then you, you mentioned it with I mentioned it with Kevin McCuller as well. That seems like an explodable matchup to me. So. I'm excited about that one also. Yeah, yeah. McCuller and Rodgers, to me, I mean, those are the two teams' go-to perimeter scores. Rodgers hasn't been a great defender. McCuller has. So, uh, I think that one is uh, very interesting for me. But um, even the point guard matchup is good. Harlan Beverly is a a solid player. He's an all-around player. Not a great three-point shooter so far. um, But he's a good all-around player. He's kind of filling up the the statue. Really good defender for them. Arguably their best defender. So, you could have a good uh, little point guard matchup in this one. KU wins if what? I think KU wins if they score more than 75 points. Okay. Uh, that's probably that's probably step one. Yeah, I think KU wins if, if Kevin McCuller stays hot and they exploit that matchup. If And again, I, I've i been kind of harsh on DeWan Harris at times, I think, this season. I just want to see him, again, have a game where he it feels like he's in control. I mean, there's there's he's had some games where he scored a lot. He's had some games where he's done some good stuff. But there's been a lot of games where it hasn't felt that way. And to me, I've said it before, that is the biggest attribute of Dewan Harris that I think he adds to Kansas. It's just when you have a guy who just, when he has the ball in his hands, he has the game in the palm of his hand if he if he has the ball. I want to see more of that and just him commanding the floor uh, on both sides of the ball. You know, his defense has, has, has dipped down when you look at the stats overall, which is a bit concerning. So I'd like to see that improve. But yeah, I think if Dewan Harris is, is in control, you score more than 75, you exploit Kevin McCuller, you avoid foul trouble, you win the game. I would just say if, if Kansas is able to hold their own on the interior defensively, um, Wichita State's six worst two-point shooting games, they are 2-4. and four. In the six best two-point shooting games, they're 6-0. and oh. They like to go inside. They'll spam it. They have the big men. KU has done a good job of avoiding teams from even taking shots inside, and they have a good two-point defense. So, can that continue in this game? If it does, they should be able to dominate. The other one I would say is, do you get decent production from someone, if not multiple, if not all three, of that 
kind of five through nine guard rotation with Elmarco Jackson, Nick Timberlake, Johnny Furphy back, and to a lesser extent, Jamari McDowell, if we see him. Yeah, I guess uh, we didn't really talk about Johnny Furphy, the fact yeah. that he's going to be back. So I don't know what he's going to be back. How's role. he going to fit in? How is Nick yeah. Timberlake going to fit in? He played 29 minutes the last game. He scored 13 points, but that was without Furphy. You know, do, do we see Timberlake ahead of Furphy uh, as one of the first players off the bench because of that performance? Or do we still see Furphy ahead of Timberlake? And what does that do to the psyche of Timberlake that maybe it's a little bit of a shorter leash with minutes knowing that Furphy is there? That's going to be very interesting. But uh, you're looking for those guys to start turning the corner. We're about to be in the new year. We're about to be in Big 12 play. This is your final tune-up before a rugged Big 12 conference. You need one, if not multiple, if not all of those guys to start turning the corner. And I don't know which one it would be, but somebody's got to show out in this game. You feel good about Timberlake? After the Yale game, I I feel I feel better. Better. I don't feel great yet because this is the true test. He did that with with knowing in the back of his mind, Johnny Furphy's not here. There's a lot more minutes to go around in this sure. game. You make a mistake, you're coming out. Yeah, you know. So it's, also, it's a little bit different. You stack one, you stack two games together, and now it's right. becoming okay. You have figured it out instead of just being one off. So I'll say this: if the combination of Furphy, Timberlake, and and uh, El Marco hit. Three threes, they they cover. You call that a success? I don't know. Should it be more? I Four like threes, more. they cover. Four threes, they cover. Between Four the three is a success. Them. Okay. Uh, he's Nick Tim. Or, um, <laughs> I'm Nick Timberlake. Nick Timberlake. He is Nick Springer. Not related. Not related <laughs> to who? Nick Timberlake. We have the different last names, of course. Yeah, but in like Japan, they put the the last name first and the first name last. Do we live in Japan? So then you you both would have Nick did, on your jersey. Do, you didn't answer the question. Do we live in Japan? Could. One day. I would like to visit Japan. All right, he's, cool. he's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. Uh, KU Women's Basketball is a big game, too. Let's talk about that next. We're going to be joined by Shreyas Lada, Kansas City Star, in about 10 minutes from right now. Big one for the KU Women's Basketball team tomorrow. They actually do start conference play, and you can hear that game tomorrow on KLWN at noon, pregame 1145. We'll switch over to men's coverage once that one ends. The entirety of the men's coverage over on 105.9 KISS. But uh, West Virginia is ranked 25th in the country. They're coming into Allen Fieldhouse on Saturday. They come in at 11-0, including an 18-point victory against a Penn State team who beat KU earlier in the non-con. So certainly that draws your eye. Last year, the two teams split the games. KU won 77-58 in Allen Fieldhouse, but they lost 62-60 in Morgantown. And who knows, if Kansas wins that game, they probably make the tournament because West Virginia was like one of the last four in. Kansas was one of the first four out. So hypothetically, um, that could have kind of got them over the hump. Uh, but this this is a huge opportunity because Kansas goes seven and four in the non-con. Certainly, you would have liked maybe a game or two better record in in what ended up happening. I don't think they expected Penn State to maybe be as good as they were. Like they were below five hundred last year. At one point, Penn State was ranked in the top twenty-five this year. So uh, you didn't expect that to happen. You had to play them on the road. Obviously, you expected the you know UConn and Virginia Tech games to be tough. But KU started to figure it out a little bit. The bench has started to come along. They've won four straight games. They're trending in the right direction. And now you have kind of a new season with it being Big 12 play. This is what you geared up the non-con for. This is what you brought everybody back for to compete for a Big 12 title. And it is a great opportunity at home against an undefeated top 25 team in your first game of the Big 12 season to establish that this is who you really are. 
Yeah, so West Virginia was picked to finish eighth in the preseason poll. So this is a game that I think if you're Kansas, you definitely got to win it at home, right? You beat this team at home last season. And Bill Self says this all the time, if you want to be a top team, in, especially in a, in a very competitive conference of the Big 12, got to win at home, right? You win at home, and then you win, you know, 50% of your road games, boom, all of a sudden you're 14-4, and four, whatever, you know, or, you know, 13-5, and five, whatever, on uh, overall. So you got to take care of business at home, right? You got to win at home. And that makes this game extra important for Kansas. Uh, and to your point, they've it felt it feels like they've they've kind of figured some things out, won four games in a row. West Virginia, as you said, they're undefeated. But outside of that Penn State game, they've played a very, very soft mm-hmm. schedule, haven't really played much uh, of any opponents. In fact, their average margin of victory in their uh, so far this season is almost thirty points. <laughs> Killing teams. So they're you know, they're they're blowing out teams, but they're blowing out teams that aren't very good. They just played Niagara and beat them by almost sixty. Uh, so even though they're undefeated number 25 in the country, I don't know that they're necessarily the 25th best team in the country. Uh, so this is a game at home where if you're Kansas, go out, get a big win, start conference playing the right foot at home and, uh, move forward. And it's an interesting stylistic matchup. West Virginia averages about 78 possessions per game. KU 66 and a half. West Virginia is very guard oriented. Uh, they're still a good offensive rebounding team. They get to the, the free throw line at actually the highest rate in the country right now, which could certainly test KU's depth. Uh, they're one of the best passing teams in the country, but the most interesting part of this matchup to me is you have Tiana Jackson versus a West Virginia team that doesn't have overly much size, but what they do is they press. They average almost 17 steals per game. That is first in the country. And KU has been pretty good at avoiding turnovers. They're in the 86th percentile as KU in turnovers per game, 70th percentile in turnover rate offensively, those from CBB Analytics. So yeah, you mentioned one. the press. When you look at Kansas and you bring back all that experience, you should be able to handle this, right? But maybe that helps. Maybe that makes you keep an eye a little bit more on Samaya Nichols in this game, right? A freshman, a first conference game, maybe playing against an overly aggressive defensive team uh, to see how she handles sort of that pressure. And Kansas will certainly need her to play well, I think. But yeah, you bring you bring back that experience for playing games like this against teams that like to press because you feel like okay, you should feel pretty good about uh, who you've got and handling the ball and being able to not turn the ball over too much. Uh, and Kansas has also gotten some better bench play recently, so that's been very helpful for them as well. He's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. We're going to be joined by Shreyas Lada of the Kansas City Star next on KLWN. Depend on it. Hey, it's Derek Johnson from Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN, and despite sitting around in a studio all day, I feel loose and limber thanks to Massage Envy and their total body stretch service. If you have aches from a day at the office, working out, maybe a round of golf, Massage Envy can help. All you need to do is relax and breathe deep during the stretches, and they'll take it from there. It's great for your body and your mind, and they also have rapid tension services and advanced skin care. Massage Envy on 6th Street in Lawrence and 119th in Black Bob in Aletha. Welcome back into Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson, and we're joined now by Shreyas Lada of the Kansas City Star and KansasCity.com. Talk a little KU football, KU basketball with Shreyas. Let's just start with the KU football. Uh, KU wins the guaranteed rate bowl 49-36 over UNLV on Tuesday night. What to you was your biggest takeaway from the performance that finished out the 2023 season with their ninth win of the year? I mean, honestly, what a performance by Jason Bean. What a way to cap off a college career and his KU career. Um, you know, six touchdowns, tying Todd Reason's record. Kansas just has an affinity for playing high-scoring bowl games, it feels like. And, uh, you know, a really nice ending to a great season for Lance Leifold and his Jayhawks. And 
you know, he talked about it afterwards where they're putting themselves in position to win a Big 12 or 10 for a Big 12 championship. I mean, I'd argue they probably should have been playing in a Big 12 championship this year if, you know, Jason was healthy for the two games that he missed, uh, you know. But overall, I think I was just impressed. Kansas uh, was pretty dominant for the most part. And, uh, you know, obviously they came in heavy favorites, but uh, just a nice showing uh, for a great overall season. Yeah, and uh, I, I guess, I don't know, for, for me, when you look at the overall season as a whole, not just the bowl game, I thought that the biggest positive to come from the full year for KU was probably the improvement of the defense. Uh, when you look back o- over the full 13 games in the full season, what to you do you think was the biggest positive for this program? It's absolutely the defense. I think Brian Borland has done a great job with the transfers that came in, the internal development from guys. You know, guys like Kobe Bryant get into another level. Mel Dobson doing his job well, uh, you know, and making the most of his opportunities and getting multiple pick sixes. I think KU's defense was took a big, big step forward. And um, I'm intrigued to see what it looks like next year. I mean, obviously, we're waiting on Kobe's announcement. Kenny Logan's gone, uh, you know, a couple others here and there. But I think just what they've built at this point uh, is something that they can contend, you know, or a Big 12 title with. I think what Kansas had a season ago, they would not have been able to contend with a Big 12 title, no matter who was that quarterback, no matter how good the offense was. So Borland's gotten Kansas's defense in a position where they can win games uh, that they probably shouldn't have any business winning and uh, can hang around against teams that are you know better than them. Uh, we saw it in the Oklahoma game. We saw it in the K-State game. We saw it in the Texas Tech game, too. Yeah, and, and when you look to next year and, and when they will try to contend for that Big 12, as you've kind of been talking about, um, obviously we still have to hear certain decisions from players like Kobe Bryant's going to be announcing on, on January 1st. Uh, we, we still need, I don't know, confirmation from Devin Neal on, on what's kind of going on there. I, I guess, in theory, everybody has to make a decision because of the way that the transfer portal is now. Uh, but as of right now, without maybe knowing some of those decisions, like what do you think would be, at minimum, considered a successful season for KU football in 2024? I think you need a top three conference finish. Uh, I think you need a 10-win season. Um, but I really think you need to finish top three in the conference. That's the one thing I think that's eluded Kansas and Lance as a uh, staff as a whole in the three years and years. Their conference record can be better. Um, and I think this year they took a huge step forward uh, in that spectrum. But just, you know, they lost some games that they probably shouldn't have lost. And, you know, obviously those are – circumstances out of their control, like having to play a third-string walk-on freshman in Cole Ballard, QB, who was pretty good, but I think if Jason Bean was in those games, I think I'd say wholeheartedly they probably would have beaten K-State and Texas Tech, and that's two more wins right there. Yeah, yeah, no, I I think it makes a lot of sense, and uh, you just wrote in the Kansas City Star as, as part of your kind of mailbag uh, about the, the futures for, for both programs here in state with Kansas State and Kansas and maybe who has that that kind of higher ceiling. Obviously, we saw Avery Johnson last night for Kansas State, who's a young freshman quarterback who has a, a lot of promise for the future for them. Um, when when you went about putting together that answer, what what were some of the biggest factors that, that came about it uh, in writing that? Well, I think it, it, it's tough in the sense, like, I mean, to be honest with you, I feel like it's pretty neck and neck, you know? And I think we saw it this year. The gap is certainly closed. K-State fans can say what they want, you know, but – if I was a fan, you know, of Kansas or K-State, 
the way I look at it objectively is at home, you know, into the third string freshman QB, Kansas had the game in the back. If they have that interception that probably gets returned for a touchdown, they probably win by double digits against Kansas State. It didn't play out that way. Obviously, Kansas State came back and won the game. You know, props to them for that. But the gap is three points now with a third-string freshman QB uh, walk-on, mind you. If Jalen Daniels is healthy, a big if, this Kansas team should be as good, if not better, than what K-State has to offer. I think, uh, you know, I've been higher on Kansas than most coming into the year, and I remain pretty high on them because I believe in Jalen Daniels' talent. Um, I think Avery Johnson is a tremendous quarterback. He's a great runner. He makes some nice, you know, throws in the run. But he does look like a freshman at points. I mean, that NC State game, he was like 14-31. And, you know, I know there's some drops there, and he definitely didn't look bad per se. But I didn't come away thinking, this guy's a future superstar. He looked like every other freshman where, you know, they have some really good things going for them. And, you know, he's going to be dangerous, I think, in coming years. But he's not going to be immediately the savior, I think, that Kansas State fans are going to be thinking he is right away because like every young quarterback you go through these lows and falls I think of just figure out how to play the college game and I think that's going to be a thing next year for Kansas State is where they'll have some really good Avery games and they'll have some probably not as good Avery games and I think that's just normal because they have a young quarterback Kansas has a returning quarterback that ideally is healthy in Jalen Daniels who's experienced who's been here for a minute you know he's gone through ups and downs he's obviously improved as a player. Um, so, you know, I think Kansas State's defense is better than KU's defense, so there's a, uh, a point to them there. But I think if Devin Neal is coming back, uh, with Jalen coming back, the continuity of the offensive end, it's just you're replacing two offensive tackles, basically, Mason Fairchild. And um, I think, you know, you get all the you know starting receivers to come back, and you have a running back coming back. I mean, this Kansas team should be, as good, if not better, than Kansas State. I don't know if that's outrageous to say, but I felt like they were at that point this year with a healthy Jalen Daniels. Well, you mentioned Devin Neal and that decision. There was the Pete Thamel report before the bowl game started that he'd be coming back. Uh, but Lance Leipold was asked about it after. He said uh, he'll leave that to Devin to decide. And we haven't heard any confirmation about it really uh, at any point here lately. Well, what do you think is going on with that? Why... why do you think have we not heard confirmation yet? Do you think it is still a decision that could be up in the air, or do you think it's just a decision that, I don't know, maybe KU is waiting to, to release for some reason? From what I know, I think he's coming out with a, a written statement in, I don't know, maybe the next week or two uh, to kind of address whatever. I, I really don't know what way it's leaning, but I presume he's coming back because, I mean, you would think Pete, who's a national guy, wouldn't jump the gun on something like that. Um, but, you know, I think he... Like, it's interesting because Lance wouldn't confirm it. I think Rich Miller said he's coming back, so maybe he's probably coming back. But I do think it's the way everything came out, uh, you know, I think he probably would have preferred to be able to handle the business on his own and not have it come out an hour and a half before the bowl game. Um, you know, and, and I know that him and his family were looking at the entire situation very closely, looking at navigating the entire draft process. So I think, you know, he wanted to kind of just do the due diligence and not have it be a story that was overshadowing the bowl game. And of course it didn't work out that way. So I feel bad for him and, and you know, the family as a whole, because sometimes things like that just happen, you know? Um, but I presume hopefully we'll get a direction on that in the next week, week and a half. 
What do you think, besides the player decisions of who's coming back, who's leaving, all that stuff, what do you think is going to be the most important part of this offseason for KU in terms of uh, what they can try to accomplish or, or I guess, like a position that they, they should go after maybe in the portal? I think, uh, you know, they probably need to get some more linebackers, I think, a little bit, and some defensive ends, just because there's a little, uh, you know, light on that. Um, I think the health of Jalen Daniels is, is paramount. You know, like we're in, I don't know, what week of Jalen Daniels watch, and we still don't really – I mean, like he wasn't practicing in the bowl game. I mean, he wasn't practicing before that, from what I heard, um, you know, after practicing for a little bit. So I think that's going to be something that's going to be big to kind of figure out. But also, like, just going on and off that, like, the special teams needs to kind of right itself a little bit. I mean, they had some up and downs points of the season, you know, a really nice start, and then iffy kind of in the, the middle half, and then, you know, settle down near the end. Um, I think Kansas special teams can kind of figure out what they were doing well at the beginning of the season and kind of hold it to that. Uh, you know, that'll be another big thing that helps them take utterly forward. But um, just, I think, some defensive depth uh, and, you know, replacing some of the guys that left, you know, like Gage Keys and what's what looking like Austin Booker um, leaving the program for Presumably the NFL, you know, they're going to need these guys. Uh, they're, you know, they've already been addressing a little bit, but they need some help there. They probably need to pick up a safety, uh, just you know, because of the departure of Kenny Logan. Talking with Trace Lotta of the Kansas City Star, KansasCity.com here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Switching over to KU basketball, Jayhawks take on the Shockers of Wichita State on Saturday, three o'clock. You can hear it here on KLWN. Um, what to you is the most important thing that the Kansas can do in this game or, or that happens for KU that makes it feel like they are headed in the right direction in the second half of the season now that we're back from Christmas break? I think the continued emergence of El Marco Jackson, I want to see him more, uh, you know, kind of used in the offensive end, continue to play some good defense, which – I think Bill touched on it where he felt like the Yale game wasn't quite as good as the Indiana game on that end for him. It's huge. Uh, but really, I think they just need to go out and beat Wichita State by whatever the betting margin is and do it in a way that makes me feel confident that they can hit three-pointers when it matters at a high enough rate. I mean, like, I, I'll keep on saying it, but, you know, whatever Kansas does, they could win the next 30 games in a row, you know, and they could do it in unspectacular fashion and, you know, I'd give them props for that. But I think, you know, I'm a metrics guy and I'm, uh, you know, just watching the tape and, you know, what they have right now, the way the team's constructed, Hunter Dickinson is already, you know, talking about how he's getting frustrated with, you know, so the way the, the teams are playing at him. And if Kansas can't capitalize on the fact that he's constantly getting double teamed off the bump and make shots, it's going to be a rough march. I mean, I, I just think, you know, not to, you know, put some water on the flames of what everyone thinks. You know, I mean, they're 11-1. and one, They're a fantastic team, the number two team in the country, you know, all that. But I think the three-point rate for me is going to be a really good indicator of what Kansas can be in March uh, because the rebounding and that, just making those shots at a high rate, I think are going to be critical come uh, March Madness time. Well, obviously someone who could help that is Nick Timberlake if he keeps playing like he did in his last game against Yale. Uh, now Johnny Furphy's back Saturday, which I'd imagine eats away at 
a lot of Nick Timberlake's minutes. I'd be surprised if it was, you know, 29 minutes again in this one. What are you kind of expecting from Nick Timberlake now over this final half of the season, now that Furphy is back and, and after that performance? Do you feel like it was turning a corner, or do you think that's more just going to be a blip on the radar? I think it's a, a positive step in the right direction for Nick Timberlake. But, I mean, he played Yale. Like, I'm not trying to be disrespectful to Yale or the Ivy League or whatever, but that's not Big 12 competition. So I need to see more. I need to see it in continuous days and continuous games against teams that are much better than you. Uh, you know, and I think, obviously, a good game against Wichita State is another big step in the right direction for Nick. But I'm not going to say one game is enough for me to declare all his issues are over and, you know, Kansas has figured out and Nick Timberlake's figured out because – you know, we saw it last year, guys like Bobby Pettiford, et cetera, had good games and they did absolutely nothing when, you know, tournament time came around or even conference time. So I think with Nick, you know, I believe in his ability and I believe in his ability to shoot threes. He has five years of you know, data points to point to that and, you know, all that. I think it's just a confidence thing with him. Uh, and once the three-point shot goes down, I think it'll be something that he can keep building upon. And I think – how he plays against Wichita State will be uh, pivotal for him and his long-term success, I think, with this Kansas team because we're out of conference game. We're out of non-conference games at this point, you know? Yeah, uh, maybe maybe that kind of answers this next question I was going to have for you then, but I, I don't know. Maybe it is somebody else. Which of those three, Timberlake, Furphy, Elmarco Jackson, I when, I when I say breaking out, I don't mean you know scoring 15 a game. I just mean breaking out in the sense of, they are filling the role that they are being asked to play at a very adequate level, I guess. Which of those three, I guess, playing maybe closer to their ceiling between Timberlake, Furphy, Jackson, do you think would be most beneficial for KU down the stretch? I mean, I think that's a tough question because, I mean, if the ceiling, like, I, I'm, my ceiling question with that, my question back to that is, what do we think El Marco Jackson's ceiling is? Is it the lottery pick that everyone thinks mm-hmm. it's going to be, or do we think he's a two, three, four year guy? Yeah, you I know? mean, I, I guess, yeah, when you're talking about ceiling, because I, I agree with what you're saying, ceiling could be eventually a first-round pick, but is that ceiling attainable in year one? Like, maybe that's uh, more attainable as a two-and-done player or as a three-and-done player, right? Uh, so maybe the ceiling, I think, on Elmark, I, I don't I don't know. Maybe this year it's more of, like, somebody who's giving you 10 points, four assists, playing good defense, and is using his athleticism on offense more to drive and kick. I, I don't know. I, I think in that case, if it's one of those guys that we think if Marco's a, a two, three tier guy, I think the most important guy will be Nick Timberlake. Um, just because I think El Marco is going to be a good college player. And once he figures it out, I'm really excited about it. Um, but I do think, you know, he's better suited as a point guard than he is a shooting guard. Um, and obviously, he's not going to replace the one Harris. So I'm not going to even say anything about that or suggest that. But um, I think maybe the. You know, right now what we're seeing on Marco is him being deferred. Like, I mean, he will defer to the older guys. He'll give it to Kevin. He'll give it to Hunter. He'll let them do the work. And I respect that because you're a freshman and, you know, your role in the pecking order is not to be the guy. Uh, maybe he's the guy next year when Kevin McCuller and potentially Hunter Dickinson are gone. But, you know, he's doing that. So I think his ceiling in his limited role would be a guy who, you know, like you said, plays good defense, maybe makes eight to ten points a game which is good, but Kansas is, you know, I think starting lineup is fine without it. I think Nick Timberlake being able to hit threes at a, 
a good clip, you know, maybe two or three a game would be so infinitely useful for this Kansas team and just the way they can play basketball. And it would help Hunter Dickinson a lot, I think, because teams can't double him as much if they have shooting surrounding him. Um, and I think it, it kind of goes back to the whole point of, like, I think we talked about earlier is, you know, the Arcaro thing really left a gap in this Kansas team. Uh, you know, I think he would have been tremendous and probably started at, you know, shooting guards, if not for all the legal stuff, et cetera. Um, but I think Nick Timberlake is probably the, the most important out of those three, just based on what we've seen so far for Kansas. What do you think ends up being the higher number? KU basketball players drafted in the 2024 NBA draft or KU basketball players drafted in the 2025 NBA draft? 2025. I think Kevin's the only one on, on draft boards right now. Like he's become like this draft is so weak that maybe Kansas gets another player. But um, right now, like, I don't know if you guys seen the mocks, but people are talking about him like a, a late lottery pick, you know, mid first, like that's like a 30, 20, 30, like spot leap from what he was last year. So, I mean, he's done a tremendous job on that aspect, but I haven't seen other Kansas sport player on the board. I mean, if, you know, God forbid Dickinson declares, I'm guessing he'd be a little late second rounder or maybe undrafted free agent or two-way contract or whatever. Who knows? But uh, right now, I think 2025 makes sense because you have a guy like Johnny Furphy, probably a Marco Jackson, uh, maybe KJ Adams. You know, uh, those guys would be up for uh, contention there. Well, uh, Shreyas, I appreciate you hopping on today. Appreciate the time, man. Uh, enjoy covering everything. Check out his work, Kansas City Star, KansasCity.com, and Happy New Year, man. You too, guys. Appreciate you having me. That was Shreyas Lada of the Kansas City Star and KansasCity.com joining us here on Rock Shock Sports Talk. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. One hour down, two to go. We got your Chiefs-Bengals preview, some Hunter Dickinson audio, game picks, uh, KU basketball talk, plenty more coming through the rest of the show on RCST with KLWN. Four o'clock hour. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. He's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. We are going to get to our game picks later this hour. We've got some Hunter Dickinson audio. Also in the five o'clock hour, KU game picks, Rock Chalk Pick a Hawk, Bill Self audio. But the Chiefs play this Sunday. And who? an opportunity to not disappoint or continue to disappoint. The who does what? They've lost four out of their last six games. That's not good. Yeah, man, the Chiefs suck. I'm done. So I was going back, and uh, I looked at the last 10 Super Bowl champions. How okay. many losses did, or, or what was the most losses that a, a team who won the Super Bowl over the last decade has had from week nine, or, or I'm sorry, week 11 on through the end of the year? What do you think the most? Okay, so I don't think the Chiefs last year because right now the Chiefs have four of those for what it's worth. The last year I don't think the Chiefs lost hardly any. It was one or zero, I think. It, yeah. So then, who won the Super Bowl the year before that? The year before that, it was the Rams. Rams. They probably Bucks, didn't lose very many. Chiefs. Bucks. Chiefs again. Just guess the number. Twenty nineteen Chiefs. I don't know. I mean, probably like three. The correct answer is two. The okay. most losses that a team who has won the Super Bowl over the last decade from Week 11 on is two. The Chiefs already have four. Now, I will say one thing, though. For like seven or eight of those years of the last decade, there was not the extra game. Yes, but even then, that would be three. 
<laughs> this is already four with still two games to go. They haven't even played that extra game yet. Yeah, I, will I, mean, say, no, I don't know what else to tell you. If we expand the sample size, the two previous Super Bowl winners before the last decade did have four losses from Week 11 on. So, was one of those the Patriots? Uh, it was the Giants in 2011, and cool. it was, the uh, oddly enough, the Ravens in 2012. Oh, with the Joe, Joe Flacco? Flacco year, which brings us full circle. Cleveland winning last night, Thursday Night Football. Joe Flacco has four 300-yard games in the last five weeks. Patrick Mahomes this year has four 300-yard games all season. Yeah, I, I, yeah, <laughs> Joe Flacco, I don't really know what to think about that. He's Just good. like I don't know what to think about the Kansas City Chiefs because these boys What about the Kansas stink. City Wildcats? These boys stink. They are terrible. They suck. There's no other way to spin it. They're just bad. I mean, I, I just, I'm done. I, I've, you I've finally broke. I spent 15. It took weeks. a long time to break you. Well, that's because I'm the most optimistic Chiefs fan that I've ever met in my entire life. Which means to get to this 15 point, weeks takes a lot. Here we are, 15 weeks. I've wasted 15 weeks of my life saying, "Oh yeah, the Chiefs are fine. Oh, they're gonna figure it out. Oh yeah, sure, I'm an idiot. That's me. Oh yeah, no, I'm done. They suck. Wide receivers suck. Patrick Mahomes is now playing hero ball. Saw that against the Raiders. They've got injuries. Pacheco, I don't even know if he's going to play. Jarek McKinnon's out. Clyde's sick. Clyde, I don't know what his problem is. He's sick. Kadarius Toney, now, now, not only can he not catch, now actually what I prophesied last year is coming true and that he's also in hurt all the time. And how do, how do you get hurt when you don't even play? I don't even understand that. And then... All that wasting away a, a beautiful defense. A beautiful defense. That's really good. Sure, Chris Jones had his ups and downs. Drew Tranquil's been awesome. Nick Bolton's awesome. You look around at the, in the secondary. Sneed, all-pro player. McDuffie, elite. Justin Reed's been good. And yet none of it matters because the other boys on the other side of the ball, they suck. They're just terrible. I mean, I, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know. I'm done. Now, I will say this. <laughs> because I am done, the Chiefs are going to beat the brakes off the Bengals this week. Mm. This weekend. I feel pretty confident in that. All because I'm done. And they're going to suck me back in. And then I'm going to say, I'm going to come in here on Tuesday. Chiefs Super Bowl, back on. And they're going to lose again. And then they're going to be bad again. So, I don't know, man. It's just, it's just, it's just. And you can look at the drops. And there's some interesting there's some interesting stuff on Pro Football Focus. So Pro Football Focus has like a they have a whole litany of things that they categorize within completions where it's not so the receivers obviously the drops have been really bad, but Pro Football Focus has a way uh, they have this thing where they show they demonstrate well was it a, was there a route issue was there a timing issue that caused an incompletion blah blah blah. Clear, how do they know? I'm assuming if the guy was watch. running the wrong route. But how well, do they know? They don't know the well, play call. Well, I'm, I'm assuming they just. I'm assuming they just watch the film and, and say, hey, That's on this play, you're probably That's supposed to do this or do that or whatever. Anyway, whatever. I don't know. Anyways, point being is that when you factor in everything, it actually makes things exponentially worse for how bad the Chiefs receivers have been uh, this season. Great. So it's, we thought it's, it was bad, it's yeah. worse. And Mahomes has been good overall, except for the Raiders game, when he just decided he was going to play hero ball. Which is really bad because then... All that did is he went out there and took a bunch of hits and could have easily gotten hurt. And then you're really done. You're really toast. You're really, really screwed. I don't even know. Who's, who's the, oh, it's a, is it still, who, I don't even know who their backup is. Who is it? 
for what? The Chiefs. Thing? Oh, the Chiefs? Blaine Gabbert, right? Blaine Gabbert, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Blaine Gabbert. I knew it was a Missouri guy, but I can't remember who it was, mm-hmm. right? So, I don't know, man. There's just... But this this would be a classic situation where it's like backs against the wall. The Chiefs suck. Everybody's dogging them. Jamar Chase is talking his crap per usual. By the way, by the way he's not going to play. Did you see the video with uh, Jamar Chase talking versus what T. Higgins was talking? What Did they say the same so, thing? No, no. It was very opposite, and somebody was like, this looks very much like a guy who is mad the Chiefs beat him in the AFC title versus somebody who realizes he could be playing for the Chiefs next year with T. Higgins since he's a free agent. And it, it was like, it would show clips of T. Higgins being like, man, Arrowhead's awesome. It's like a college environment. It gets so loud, all this stuff. And then it switched to Jamar Chase being like, no, it's not as loud as LSU. And then it'd be like, T. Higgins would be like, yeah, they're a really good team and all this stuff. And then it switched to Jamar Chase and he's like, yeah, I don't respect anybody on that. You know, yeah, it's just kind of funny. Yeah, anyway. Jamar Chase, I, first of all, he might not even play. Apparently he's, he's hurt or something. I don't know. Yeah, they did so, announce today that it sounds like uh, Legereus Sneed will be playing, so that's a positive. Yeah, so Jamar Chase can can take a hike. I don't even care <laughs> uh, about what, what anything he says, but but yeah, it's but so, anyways. Before you derailed my thought process, here, it's just the situation where backs against the wall. Everybody's dogging the Chiefs. Chiefs suck. Chiefs aren't going to win anything. I, I would not be shocked if they go out and beat the Bengals by like thirty points. To be honest. Uh, I also wouldn't be shocked if they lose. <laughs> so, I, I I don't know, man. I mean, it's 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 a tough state of affairs right now. I mean, the good news is, as bad as the Chiefs suck, the rest of the AFC that we thought was going to be this big bad AFC, everyone, it's going to be so hard to win the AFC. Everybody else in the AFC has their issues also, except for like the Ravens. The Ravens haven't done it in the playoffs though. Lamar's got one playoff win. The Dolphins, there's questions. The Bills. They have to. They they got to. They got to still win to just get into the playoffs. They. I mean, I understand they've been really hot, but they got to. They because of the, the way they started the season. They have. They. There's a chance they might not even be in. I just. The Bengals have no the Joe Burrow this week, but yeah. The Bengals have no Joe Burrow. Then you look at the AFC West. The Chiefs suck. Raiders suck. <laughs> <laughs> Justin Herbert's out. Keenan Allen's out. The Broncos bench Russell Wilson. Mm-hmm. So it's just a disaster there. And you look at no, the I'm, South. I'm fully in. Trevor Lawrence is out. We're getting a Browns Bills AFC Championship. That's where I'm at. That, I would be miserable with that. Browns are going to get the five. I Bills would probably not six. even watch that game. Bills are going to beat the Chiefs in the 6-3 game. Then the Bills are going to upset the Ravens. Then it's going to be Bills-Browns, and it's going to be Joe Flacco. I wouldn't even watch. With a chance to make the Hall of Fame if he wins the I, I wouldn't even watch that. I wouldn't Josh even watch Allen. that AFC title game. You if, it was Bills, yes, you if it was Bills-Browns, uh, Bills I would I think there'd be some interest there. You'd have two franchises deprived looking to you know win their first Super Bowl. I do not care. Okay. I would not watch. I think there's interest there. That, I honestly do believe that's going to be the case. If I can get, if I can find betting odds somewhere that lets me bet on those two teams playing no. in the AFC Championship, I'd gladly take it. Um, the one thing I will say, everyone wants to be like, oh, the Chiefs haven't played a road playoff game. Chiefs haven't played a road playoff game. Well, first of all, they still might not because they could lose in the first round. Yeah. Okay? <laughs> but secondly, I don't, I don't think that's a big deal at all because the Chiefs have a great defense this year. Defense travels. I think even if they did have to go on the road, they'd be fine. Well, okay, wait. The Chiefs have what six losses right now? They're nine and six. I think four at home. Yes, they're worse at home. home. Yeah, they suck at home. Yeah. Well, they suck everywhere, but they suck more at home. Um, do you think the Chiefs? This should be their last game where they like. Should the Chiefs use next week as a bye week? Because they're not going to get the one seed. I I, I don't know. The, the negative, if you get the three, is you're probably playing the the Bills, or I guess hypothetically the Dolphins is the six. If the Bills went out and the the Dolphins lose out. Um, I just don't know that – I don't think it – I'm going to be honest, I don't think it matters. Why? This is a team that looks tired that um, if you're not going to have the bye in the first round of playoffs, wouldn't you like to have it before things start? 
They looked, and we know they Andy didn't Reed lose off, off their buy anyway. They, they didn't win off their buy earlier in the week. Yeah, season but the anyway. team they played was also coming off the buy. That that is pretty crazy. Okay, well, that the, the team Chiefs they're going to be played. playing is going to be coming off a bye if they make it to the second. Well, round. that is pretty crazy. It's never happened before in the NFL. The Chiefs have played six straight games against teams either coming off a bye week or with longer rest than them. Yeah, that's pretty and crazy. Again, this week. So wouldn't that be helpful to have that bye week in, in week eighteen? Man, because they, they might be locked into the three seed. I guess that's that's the caveat here. If they're right? locked in, then what's the point? Andy Reid has shown in the past that he will. I agree. If if they still have the possibility of getting the two seed, I would say play for it because the two seven matchup where you'd avoid the six seed of like the Bills is worth it enough to me to try in that last game. Especially because if the six seed was the Bills and they upset well, and the three also, seed, then they'd play the one seed Ravens. You would you would get to completely avoid that. Well, um, but I, I mean, I, I think they're going to be locked into the three seed. Let's be honest here. You're playing the you're playing the Chargers. Uh, in the last you could beat them the with the backups. You could beat yeah. them with the backups. Because they have their backups. Right? Yes, yes. So it really doesn't matter. But yeah, as far as this matchup goes, um, the Bengals obviously have Jake Browning in. Uh, we'll see what the status with, with Jamar Chase. That That is the one thing that even though the Bengals, like they're 14th in, in rush EPA, they're, they're kind of a middling offense overall. Their defense is terrible. It's the idea that on any given day, because of the receivers, it doesn't matter who the quarterback is. He just chucks it up and they make plays. But so, if Chase is out, yeah, it, the big thing to me here that. is, and again, it's it sounds so simple and it sounds so redundant because it is redundant. If the Chiefs, if the uh, the Chiefs' offense can just not screw up, right, then they are going to be able to win. Probably. But at this point, because we're through. What did the Raiders games of them did, screwing up okay, all the time? Think about this. How did the Raiders beat the Chiefs? The Chiefs screwed up twice on consecutive plays, and then the Raiders. Said we're just going to run HB dive every play and never pass again because we're not going to let we're not going to let our quarterback screw up to give it a chance to get back in the game. We're just going to run HB dive every play. The Chiefs are 27th in the NFL in turnovers. I think it is an unreasonable expectation to expect them to all of a sudden stop screwing up. I think the reasonable expectation is, can you screw up less? <laughs> because okay, to your point, the Chiefs messed up twice, gave the Raiders two touchdowns. Right? If they would have just screwed up once. They still win that game, right? Well, I just well because think about like the Patriots game. Yeah, Chiefs screw up. The, they they give the Patriots a touchdown. Once, basically. but the Patriots but also won. screwed up and gave it back to the. No, Chiefs. that's what I'm saying. That's what so I'm saying. that's what I'm saying. The Raiders' strategy was we're just going to run HB sure. dive every play to ensure that we don't screw up to then to even out your screw up. So with Jake Browning as the quarterback of the Bengals, I think you could reasonably expect that he's maybe going to screw up a couple times. So if that balances out and the Chiefs don't screw up, then they win. No, but that's what I'm saying. Like the Chiefs will not have a game where they don't screw up. It's not going to happen. You have to realize that. <laughs> the idea is can you limit the screw ups as much as possible? Because again, instead of giving them two touchdowns last week, if you give them one, which would still be bad, it'd still be a screw up. But if you give them one instead of two, you win the game. Uh, you're missing the point. You win the game. The point no, is you're is missing that the point. The other team I understand what you were saying. I understand what you were saying. What I am saying is the Chiefs will never have a game where they do not screw up. That's fine. So it doesn't become about, can you not screw up at all? It becomes about, can you limit the screw-ups? Well, then and it, that's no, what goes into this. To me, then it just becomes about, can you screw up in such a manner to where you're not losing so that the other team still has to try to score? Okay. Um, but the Chiefs' offense has been bad. They are, th- I mean... Right now, they're 14th in EPA per play since week 9, so it's about above average. But since week 13, it's 19th. Since week 14, they are 23rd in EPA per play. And over the last two weeks, they are 26th in EPA per play. This has been one of the worst offenses in the league. The good news is Bengals' defense has been bad. 
They are 30th in EPA per play defensively, 26th in defensive DVOA, 21st in points allowed, and 31st in yards allowed. But yet I'm still worried because Lou Anarumo has had good game plans against Patrick Mahomes. And again, that Chiefs offense sucks right now. So we'll see. I mean, every week, the closer I get to Sunday, the more I start to reinvigorate myself with, well, maybe this is the chance for them to turn around. Maybe this is the chance for them to turn around. It keeps not happening. Keeps not I feel better earlier in the week, and then as the week progresses, I'm like, wait a second, these boys actually suck, and they're going to go out and suck again, because that's what they do every week. Well, and to the idea that if you do decide to rest your players next week, and let's say you're locked into the three seed, and it's a bye, that would mean this is your last chance to start feeling like you flipped the switch. Yeah. Right? Before the playoffs start. So, it is imperative they have a good performance in this game. I don't know how confident I feel it'll happen, but... A Bengals team that you played in the AFC Championship. I know no Joe Burrow. I know possibly no Jamar Chase. I know a discounted defense for them. But this should still get the juices flowing for the Chiefs because they are talking crap still. It is still the same logo. It is still the same franchise. Orlando Brown at the other end, I want to see Chris Jones eat his lunch. You know, There are a lot of reasons to play here. The problem is the Chiefs have hit that point where you know, in, in years past, if the other team came in talking trash, you were like, uh-oh, watch out. Patrick Mahomes is going to have a huge game, right? Or they said this or that. Chiefs are going to take that personal, and it's going to lead to some good stuff on the field. We saw last week Raiders uh, corner Jack Jones, who had the pick six. He was talking before. He's like, yeah, we're not scared of him at all. It's Mahomes. He's the magician, and they don't have anything else, really. He gets a pick six. Chiefs. Oh, and then, right, by the way, right? stands in their huddle afterwards. Yeah. With right now, it's it's one thing to be like, oh, Jamar Chase talking all this crap, and they have Orlando Brown and all this stuff. Chiefs haven't proven that, that they can overcome the the – you know, what teams are saying that, oh, they're talking trash and doing this and that. So let's see what they can do in this game. It is kind of put up, shut up time for uh, the Chiefs at this point in time. Chiefs suck. They're terrible. They're awful. And because of that, they're going to win this game by 28 points. All right. He's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. We're going to get to some Hunter Dickinson audio coming up next. Game picks after that. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk. This is FM 1017, 1320 KLWN, KLWN.com, and the KLWN app. Depend on it. It's that time of the week on Rock Chalk Sports Talk for game picks of the biggest games ahead from this weekend. Well, that sounds great. And you know what? It'll be nice having a little extra cash to bet on college football. Right here on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Yeah, I'd like to bet 100 bucks. You want to pick a team? No, just take it. Time for our game picks of the week. We got college football, bowl season, New Year's Six this weekend, playoff this weekend. Ball's good and the penultimate week of Playoff. the NFL season. All right, game picks. You are 95, 85, and 6 in football. I am 93, 88, and 5. It's coming down to the wire here. In college, you are 37, 41, and 2. After a 1 and 4 week, I am 33, 45, and 2 after a 3 and 2 week. We're going to start with the Cotton Bowl, which is tonight between number mm. 9 Missouri, number 7 Ohio State. Buckeyes are favored by 4.5. Yeah, this is a game where I think the line was. It was at one point between like one and two points, and then I think Missouri was actually favored at one point, uh, and then it ends up being what it is now. And uh, I, I, there seems to be still some speculation about Marvin Harrison Jr. He's he's not going to play. I mean, why would he play? There's no reason. I think so, so uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna pick Missouri here, even though I don't want to, obviously, because screw Missouri. But uh, they're gonna be jacked up. They have a lot to play for. They have a lot to play for. Mm-hmm. Ohio State, what do they have to play for? No starting quarterback. Probably going to have some guys that have opted out. And, uh, yeah. I, I, I guess the only thing about Ohio State is, like, Ryan Day loses this game. 
do Ohio State fans clamor for Even Ryan more Day than they are, to be which is stupid? I think to, to begin to with. get fired. Yeah, I mean they, they could. I, maybe I, Ryan Day's like, I need to win this game for my job. I guess I do think motivation 100 percent on Missouri's side. This bowl win would mean a lot more to them as a program than Ohio State. I also think Missouri is like a really good. I mean uh, Theo Weiss and Luther Burden. That is an excellent one-two receiver punch. They've got a really good running back in Cody Schrader. I think they they win this game outright. I'm taking Missouri plus four and a half. Peach mm. Bowl is number 11 Ole Miss versus number 10 Penn State tomorrow morning. Yeah, I'm going to go with Ole Miss here. Uh, the lane train, if you haven't been paying attention, has been cooking in the transfer portal. They've got, like, all the top commits in the transfer this portal. Game, though, but yes. Uh, it doesn't help in this game. But, I mean, you know, just from a program standpoint, it gives you some momentum. Uh, but, yeah, I like Ole Miss here. I'm going to take the uh, the Rebels against Penn State. I haven't I, I hadn't looked into this, but uh, is Andy Kolnicki going to call plays? I assume I, not. No, there's no I mean, way. Just the same way that Jeff Grimes probably did. Just, yeah, he's probably just around the program. Maybe he so. helps with some, like, film study stuff or some planning stuff. Like, hey, you yeah. should do this. But, yeah, I, I doubt he's going to be calling plays. I'm going to take Ole Miss plus the four and a half, too. Um, I could see Penn State winning the game. They've got one of the best defenses good in defense. the country. Uh, Ole Miss has is, is got a, a good offense. They run the ball really well, so Penn State's good run defense could come into play there. I just Even if Penn State wins the game, I, I could see it being a close win. I could see it being a three-point win because I don't trust Penn State's offense that much, which is why they hired Andy Kolenicki. So uh, give me Ole Miss plus the four and a half. Orange Bowl is number six, Georgia, against number five, Florida State. The Bulldogs are favored by 20. Yeah, you could set this line at 20, 25, 30, 35, 40, 50. I'm taking Georgia no matter what. (laughs) I don't see any chance for Florida State in this game. And, you know, for some of these programs like Georgia, Ohio State, obviously when you miss the playoff, it sucks, and then you have guys opt out, and, you know, maybe motivation's not there. But I wonder if for some of these programs, and I think Georgia could fall in this category, for some of these programs, maybe it's more motivation in the sense of, listen, we got snubbed. Let's go show everybody that we're actually one of the best teams in the country and just absolutely yeah. beat the snot out of the team we're playing. And by the way, the team you're playing is on a third-string quarterback and you know all that other stuff. So, yeah, give me Georgia. Georgia minus 50. I Okay, this line initially opened, it was like 14. And I agree. I think initially there was some motivation stuff that – this game would mean more to Florida State. Enough to where Florida State won this game, especially if Alabama or Texas win it all with one loss, Florida State will claim a national title, right? Whether they should or not, whatever. They, they would, and, and they will. But when you see all the players opting out, I I, I mean, okay, Trey Benson, stud running back. Jared Verse, who's going to be like a top 10 pick as a defensive end. Johnny Wilson, Keon Coleman, who are... Uh, um, both just, I don't know, maybe first-round receivers. Jaheim Bell, their tight end. Fabian Lovett, one of their D-linemen. Akeem Dent, one of their defensive backs. Renardo Green, Jerry and Jones, two other defensive backs. Obviously, Jordan Travis, the uh, quarterback, is out. Their backup quarterback is uh, transferring. transferring. Yeah. So They're on Brock Glenn. So it's not just that Georgia is the better team and you would need to be more mo- motivated and have a good game plan to win this game. On top of it, you're out all these players. Georgia's going to roll them. Give me Georgia. Yeah. They're going to beat them by a billion. Yeah. Uh, Rose Bowl. This is the first playoff game. Number four, Alabama against number one, Michigan. Wolverines minus two. Yep. Time to put my money where my mouth is. Alabama. Roll Tide. I think they're going to win the national title. And I think it starts with them beating Michigan. So, I'll take Alabama. I'll be honest. It's, it's uh, kind of refreshing that this year I, we go into the playoff, and, and you could convince me anything could happen in, in both these playoff games. You know? Uh, you could convince me that Bama wins. You could convince me Michigan wins. You could convince me Texas, Washington. Like, I could see any scenario. Now, I have one way that I'm leaning in both, uh, but this one especially is more of a coin flip to me. I am leaning Michigan. Uh, the, the thing, 
that makes it tough is, is it's going to be hard for Michigan just to play bully ball because you're playing Alabama. And that's what they've done in the Big Ten all year long. You're not going to be able to do that. Um, this is a revenge opportunity for J.J. McCarthy, who was bad in their playoff game. I mean, he threw, what, two pick sixes, and that's why they lose the game against TCU. Alabama has two of the best corners in the entire country. What is that going to do their passing game? Right? But I just, I think if anyone can take away the Alabama running game and Jalen Milrow as a runner, it's the Michigan defense. Give me the Wolverines. I think the ability for Michigan Mm. to go into a game as the number one team in college football, but still, in a certain sense, be able to play the chip on your shoulder card about so many people picking Alabama and, and this and that. Um makes me like Michigan a little bit more. Give me the Wolverines. Uh, plus, if, if you're into uh, script writing, you really think the Rose Bowl is not going to let a Big Ten or Pac-12 team, which obviously there's no Pac-12 in this one, win the final real Rose Bowl? Mm. No, that doesn't matter. No? Doesn't matter? Okay. Uh, Sugar Bowl, number three, Texas, minus four against number two, Washington. This is the game where I, I think anything could happen. Yeah. Uh, Washington's got great receivers, obviously great offense. Michael Penix. Then you look at Texas, and they've got some great receivers as well. Uh, quality offense. No Jonathan Brooks, though, uh, for them, which kind of hurts. Quinn Ewers seems like he's kind of back. And then you look at the defense for Texas, Devondre Sweat, and how dominant they can be. Uh, I'm going to go with the Washington. I don't know that Washington's going to win, but I think it, they'll keep it close. I think this I think this game will could go down as one of the best college football playoff games we've seen. Really, I feel like this could be easily be a very much back and forth game, uh, and I'll go with Washington. So Texas D line is fantastic, and uh, Michael Penix had some comments that he would. I mean, factually, these were correct comments, but you probably shouldn't say it. He was like, "Well, we're not playing the uh, the Philadelphia Eagles or the San Francisco 49ers defensive line, so I think we'll be okay." Well, I mean, factually, except, they're not. Sure, except except you're Texas, playing a D line yeah, that has multiple guys that could end up being in yeah, the NFL, so, so you basically are that. That does not make me feel as good for Washington. Um, but Texas DBs have not been great. They've got a couple good ones, but that is more the weak point of their defense. And Washington just sometimes chucks it up, and they've stud receivers, and they, they make the catch. So I yeah. think they're able to stay in the game offensively from that perspective. Um, I think this is going to be a high-scoring game. I think it's a fun game. I could see a world where Texas wins by 21 because Washington can't get off the field defensively, and Texas just makes a couple big sacks on the defense side and wins like you know 52 to 31 or something like that. I am going to go Washington plus four because I do think it's coin flip game. Give me the points. Could be a three point game. What is your lock of the week? You are eight seven and one in college. Lock of the week is Iowa mm. plus six against Tennessee in the Cheez-It Citrus Bowl. No Joe Milton. No Joe Milton. Tennessee's overrated. Iowa good defense. Suck. Iowa's going to play Iowa's game. Three like nothing. If they do. The game is going to be like, you know, 13 to 10 or some something. Tennessee's not going to be able to score on them. It's going to be a low scoring game. I don't know that Iowa's going to win, but they're definitely not going to lose by more than six, I don't think. As long as they don't have like a bunch of pick sixes or something like that. Well, uh, which could happen. Yeah. Which could very much happen. But uh, I like Iowa plus six in the Cheez It Citrus Bowl. I'm going to go Maryland. Plus six and a half against Auburn in the Music City Bowl. Um, Auburn's got a good defense. I don't think they have the offense to run away with this game, though. And uh, Talia Tungavailoa for Maryland is is in his last game. I think he's good enough to keep it close, if not pull off the upset. On to the NFL, where you went just one and four last week, but you are 43 and 29 overall. Yeah, I've gone pretty cold the past couple weeks. Two or three weeks, yeah. Yeah. It's been tough for me. I'm 44-29-2. I went 4-1 and one last week. First up, we have Detroit at Dallas. This is a Saturday night game. Cowboys favored by 5.5. Yeah, I... 
this is so tough, man. It feels like Detroit maybe isn't a fraud after I called them frauds and now they're good. You know, I don't dude, I am so good at calling teams frauds and then them being good. Wait, is the loser of this game the ultimate fraud? I think so. Okay. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, that's the problem, is like with Dallas, these are the games they lose against teams that are good. But then it's like but it's the Lions. How good are the Lions? I'm gonna go with Detroit here. I don't know. The the big factor to me that I think could screw this up is that it's at Dallas. Mm-hmm. That They've probably been so could good at home. That could lend Dallas to winning this game. So I'm a little nervous, but I'm gonna go with Detroit. Here's their margins of victory at home. 20, 35, 23, 32, 35, 6, and 20. They have been so good at home. Detroit just clinched the division. So maybe they're on a bit of a downslope, but I think hangover? five and a half is too many. Division clinching hangover? See, if this was like two and a half or three and a half, I think I'd take Dallas. I I just still think Detroit's able to hang in there. Give me Detroit plus five and a half. Yeah. Las Vegas at Indianapolis. This becomes an interesting game for a playoff picture. Colts are minus three and a half. Yeah, I initially thought Indianapolis, but I had a change of heart. Ooh. I'm gonna I'm gonna switch over and I'm I'm going with the Raiders here. I don't know if the Raiders are going to win, but they'll keep it close. The Raiders have everything to play for, man. Mm-hmm. Everything to play for. I mean, they get still win the division in the AFC West because the Chiefs suck. So, I'll go with the Raiders. So, all year long, I've been wrong on the Colts. When I pick them, they lose. When I pick <laughs> against them, they win. My gut was to say three and a half is too much. Raiders are playing really good. Give me the Raiders. So, mm. because I've been wrong all year, I'm inversing it, mm. and I'm just going to take the Colts. Fading yourself. Exactly. Wow. Uh, New Orleans is at Tampa Bay. The Buccaneers are minus two and a half. I feel sorry for people who have to watch the NFC South. I mean, it's just a terrible division. It sucks. <laughs> this could determine uh, the winner. I mean, if the Bucs win, I th- I think if the Bucs win and the Falcons lose, they clinch the division. I don't see a, I don't see a scenario where the Saints win. Give me okay. the Bucs. I don't I think this line should be bigger, to be honest. Bucks. I Bucks are starting to play actually good football right now. Yeah, Baker Bucks. Mayfield looks pretty yeah. saucy the Bucks, right now. The, the Bucs are gonna beat somebody in the playoffs, I think. Like Dallas? I maybe. I don't know. Yeah. I'm taking Tampa, too. Uh, Miami's at Baltimore. The Ravens are minus three and a half. I'll pick Baltimore here. I mean, I think they, they – this is what Baltimore does. They're going to do really, really well at the end of the season, and then we'll see what happens in the playoffs. I, I think they'll win this game against Miami. I'm going to go Miami. I don't feel great because it's a road game for them in December against a really good team with a really good defense, but I'm wondering if the Ravens coming off that 49ers win, you have a little bit of a low afterwards. Maybe. I'm going to go Miami plus the three and a half. Pittsburgh is at Seattle. The Seahawks minus three and a half. Yeah, I'm taking Pittsburgh here. This just feels like I have like this spidey sense. My spidey sense is tingling where it's like you look at Pittsburgh and you're like, there's no chance they win this game. They're Pittsburgh. They suck. And then they just they just win. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't even make any sense. Spidey sense is tingling in this one. Steelers. I agree. I think it's a close game at the very least. Uh, give me them at plus three and a half. What is your NFL lock of the week where you are 7-8 and eight and I am 6-9? and nine? Yeah, I'm going to go with the Arizona Cardinals plus 12 at the Eagles. Mm, That's a, a big, points. big line. And actually, there's a, multiple games this week that have big, big lines. Uh, the Patriots are like 13-point dogs against the Bills. There's another one, another game that has a big line, and then this one as well. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, the Cardinals here. The Cardinals are a frisky and bad team. But, so they're going to lose. They're going to cover the 12. Are you scared at all that, that Kyler Murray Yeah, he's, he's is sick because it's Call of Duty uh, double XP weekend. Yeah, they're yeah. saying questionable with illness, and it's, he's it's, missed practice. It's but because yes, of it's, double it's XP, double XP. Call of Duty weekend, so he's sick. So 
Uh, no, that doesn't concern me because who's the Cardinals been, backup? Is it Clayton it's, Toon? Uh, yeah, it must Remember, be. Remember, it was Dobbs. Yeah, it must be Clayton Toon. I don't know. That's not no, true. I'm not concerned. I think the Cardinals okay. will be fine. Uh, Green Bay is my pick, plus one at Minnesota. I think the wheels have kind of fallen off Minnesota. They've had all these injuries. Nick Mullins going it. back to Jaron Hall. Yeah, now going to Jaron Hall, the rookie. Um, I I don't know. Maybe I'm I'm still into the idea that Jordan Love and the Packers are better than they are. But mm, I just see I the know. Packers as the better team. I know it's in Minnesota. I'm gonna roll with it. I don't feel great about it. <laughs> gonna roll with it. Green Bay plus one. Skull. All right, we're going to take a timeout. We've got Rock Chalk, Pick a Hawk, KU Basketball Game Picks, Bill Self Audio, all that coming up in the 5 o'clock hour. He's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. You're listening to RCST on KLWN. Depend on it. 5 o'clock hour. This is RCST on KLWN. We're going to get to some Bill Self Audio, and uh, we will also get right here to our KU Basketball Game Picks and Rock Chalk, Pick a Hawk. Don't forget, you can find our podcast if you miss anything with the best of RCST podcast on KUSports.com and anywhere you get your podcast brought to you by Massage Envy. We can also hear the uh, KU women's game tomorrow at noon here on KLWN, KU men's coverage after that. Entirety of the KU men's coverage is pregame at 1.30 on our sister station, 105.9 KISS, with tip-off at 3 o'clock. All right, so Rock Chalk Pickahawk, last game, you beat me 19-3. to negative three. Kevin Huge McCuller w. accounted for 26 points. Everybody else accounted for negative 10. <laughs> Nobody picked Nick Timberlake. He would have had negative three even after the big one. Okay, so question. Yep. What if we made it to where in real sports you get negative points for things? Like like in Pickhawk. So like for instance, instead of a safety, you gain two points. The you other team two. just loses two points. Or you I, miss a field goal and you lose, you know, maybe I don't know, three maybe you don't lose three points, but you lose I mean, two I'd points be, or a point. I'd be fine with it. Like the idea of losing two points for safety is the same. Either way, it's the same result. But it's more funny, I think, if it's neg- if your team if, you, if a team loses like twenty to negative two, that yeah. is objectively funnier. Yeah, <laughs> no, I'd be fine. Like exactly. an air ball is is minus minus one. from. Well, I think an air ball is it an air ball from three is minus one. An air ball from two is minus two. If you oh. air ball a two point shot, <laughs> you know that's bad. You air ball free throw, it's minus one. I don't know. Anyway, sure. that's an interesting sure. idea. All or right, like a goal tending. Goal tending is you subtract from the other team instead of you get the points. Okay. Uh, you were six and eight. I am eight and six. You're the first pick. Who would you like? Uh, yeah. So we're six and six right now, nope, tied up. Nope. Nope. Because uh, we don't count the exhibitions. Uh, we did. Uh, so this is a big game. Mm-hmm. Big game. So you get to about five hundred. Big game to <laughs> see if you can get within a game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna go Kevin McCuller with my first pick, man. Ooh. Give me Kevin McCuller. The wow. guy is a beast. We mentioned earlier in the show he's, he's got a favorable matchup against one of the weaker defenders that Wichita State has, and uh, he's been absolutely on fire. I don't see any reason why that can't continue in this game. Kevin McCuller. I like that, and he would have been my first pick too, but I'm happy to get Hunter Dickinson second. Um, it's a game where Wichita State has a couple traditional big men. Does that mean they will double less often because they feel like they have the size to actually contend with him? Maybe, maybe not. But it should post him inside more. Maybe a bigger rebound game for Hunter Dickinson. Uh, I think he still has a big game. Uh, and KU likes to funnel the ball inside, obviously. My second pick, I'm going to KJ Adams. Um, I mentioned earlier, I think because Wichita State has two bigs, they play a lot of... KJ Adams is going to have a real opportunity because if, if they're putting both those bigs down low to get a lot of those short roll plays, the little push shot plays, get some assists out of the middle of the court, pass into the outside. I think he's going to be very involved in the game plan. K.J. Adams, I think we'll have a big game. Give me him number two. 
Yeah, and also for KJ Adams, I mean, he should be able to really lean into his uh, his ability, his athletic ability, and, and really show that off as well. I feel like so he'll have a speed advantage for sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, with my next pick, uh, I'm gonna go with Dewan Harris. I'm gonna go with Dewan Harris. Listen, he was positive in Pickhawk. Yeah, in the L game, four points. So uh, I'll take Dewan Harris here. Uh, like I said, I, his defense has not been great, but you don't lose points to Pickhawk for that. I think from the Pickhawk standpoint. He gets a lot of assists, and again, the question is, if he gets eight assists, let's say, and then he can get you, you know, six we points. Got four and steals some, in a block last game. That you know. Yeah, and if he can get you eight assists and maybe like half a dozen points and get a couple steals, then you're looking at probably getting positive in in pickhawk. So, I like Dewan Harris uh, in this game as well. You have another pick. For my next pick, so are we going four each? Yes. Okay, four each. So, for my next pick, I can go with El Marco. I can go with Johnny Furphy, Jamari McDowell, Nick Timberlake, Parker Brown. You know what? Just to screw with you, Parker Brown. Okay. That's fine. Give me Parker Brown. <laughs> Pretty rude, to be honest, but whatever. It's your prerogative. All right. Well, then I'll take your guy. Give me Johnny Furphy. Uh, I think he <laughs> could have a good game coming back into it and, uh, you know, maybe visiting with the, the family. Australian relaxed. The Australian menace. You're like menace or nightmare better. I I don't know where you got nightmare. What does nightmare. that have to do with anything? <laughs> Seems like a very nice kid. Uh, yeah, but he's a nightmare to play against. Okay, I'll go Furphy, and then I'm gonna go Jamari McDowell. That's I don't really, even know if he's gonna play much. That's, but that's really annoying. Why is that annoying? Because that's who I probably would have gone. Okay, well, too bad. Oh, you left El Marco Jackson on the board. I did. Okay, I'll take El Marco Jackson. Okay. Yeah, give me El Marco Jackson. Marco is yours. Thank you. All right, uh, KU basketball game picks. You were twenty eleven and one. I am wow. twenty one ten and one. Wow. Kansas is minus thirteen. I'm going to take Wichita State. I don't know. Kansas is going to win this game. They're going to win this game going away by probably eight to ten points. I I don't know that they're going to blow them out though. I mean, I think you, you've kind of talked about this in the past where with the with the lack of depth and with how this Kansas team plays, it just they don't really have the capability to really just absolutely blow the doors off of like you know teams. Mm-hmm. So I I don't I think Kansas is going to keep Wichita State at arm's length for most of the game, but I think Wichita State will cover the thirteen. So I'll take Wichita State. I agree. I think thirteen is a little too much. I could see him winning that eight to ten range as as you kind of talked about there. Did you know this? Kansas is four and eight against the spread this year, so they haven't wow. been a good against the spread team. And that's wow. part of the reason they've been kind of dropping in some of these metric sites. Wow. Uh, I'll go Wichita State plus 13. The over-under is 145 and a half. Yeah, I mentioned it in the open. Uh, Wichita State's, they have only given up more than 75 points in four games. They're one and three in those games, which means that if they give up more than 75, they're not scoring very much because they lose. So I'm going to go with the under here uh, because I, I, I can see this game being more of like a, a 70 to 60 type game. Or uh, even, I mean, Wichita State, I could see them even scoring in the 50s, to be honest. I think with Kansas' defense and the fact that Wichita State doesn't have necessarily anybody they can go to specifically to get buckets, uh, I'm going to go under. Wichita State is uh, 125th, so above average and average possession length. Offensively, KU's 57th. Bit of a higher tempo game. I I think that helps. KU has been doing really well scoring in transition lately. Starting to rip up the, the, the turnovers a little bit. Um, I'm going to take the over on this one. I, I think we end up with a good amount of points. What is your fra- favorite prop bet for the game? Do you? Do I dare go back to Kevin McCuller over points? I've gone to it like five it's times in a row, and you. it's hit every single Eventually, time. it's not going to hit. But Are you sure about that? Well, I mean, they keep raising the number. It's gone from like 14 and a half to 15 and a half. Now it's about 18 and a half. 
Screw it. Kevin McCuller points. Okay. Kevin McCuller over. I'm just going to keep going back points. until he loses. He, right. he, the guy's on fire. I'm going to go Hunter Dickinson over .5 made three-pointers. I don't know if you realize this. It's been a while since Hunter Dickinson's made a three. He's gone 0 for 5 his last four games. Wow. Which is crazy because his first six he games, like he made— like 50%, over 50%. Yeah, he made a three in each of his first six games, and he made a three in seven of the first eight games, but hasn't made one in the last four. I think he's due, and also when you look at Wichita State, having two traditional big men who are more lumbering, he should be able to get up two or three in this game, get open for two or three in this game, and I think he's able to knock one down. Give me Hunter Dickinson over .5 three-pointers. Lumbering is a nice way to say that they're slow. You could have said a different word, but yeah. That. Well, I didn't. You said it, not me. They're not, to be clear, but they are bigger guys. They're they're bigger centers. They're not pogo stick centers. We don't fat shame here. Yeah, no, we do not. All right, he's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. We're gonna take a time out. Bill Self Audio coming up next on KLWN's Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Well, that's it. If you're listening on our podcast side, thanks for tuning in. Please give us a positive review if your platform allows you to do so, as you can find the show anywhere you get your podcasts with the best of RCST podcast. If you do have any questions for the show, whether it's for a mailbag, just something you think that'd be fun to talk about, you can reach out to us on our Twitter page at RCST1320. You can also email us if you don't have Twitter. RCST1320AM at gmail.com. That's RCST1320AM at gmail.com. And if you want to listen live, 3 to 6 p.m. Central Time, Monday through Friday on KLWN, KLWN KLWN.com, and the KLWN app. Have a good rest of your day and see you next podcast.